Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our big island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha, good morning, welcome to Island Conversations. To remind you, we're here on the radio on the big island of Hawaii on Sundays on KWXX and on B93B97 and on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo the following Friday. And remember that you may hear Island Conversations as a podcast anytime at kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com. Today's theme is Anything is Possible. At least that's what Ironman Triathlon called it when Roderick Sewell completed the 2019 Ironman Triathlon World Championship, which was in Kona on Saturday, October 12th. Roderick had been a winning athlete before with medals in swimming. Now, Ironman Triathlon is a grueling event for anybody, a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bike ride, and a 26.2-mile marathon. In the Anything is Possible category, what's remarkable about Roderick Sewell is that he became the first above-the-knees double amputee to finish the Ironman. He has other firsts to put on his resume, and we'll learn more today because I am delighted to welcome Roderick Sewell. Aloha. Aloha. Thank you for having me. I'm totally happy to have you here. And the first question is, what was the Ironman triathlon experience like for you? It was definitely, I, I didn't know what to expect. It was more than more than I could put in words. It was a long day, first and foremost, and very long, but it was long for everybody. You know, the athletes, volunteers, family, supporters, but it was a, a lot of energy out there. Definitely keeps you going. Well, the Ironman triathlon starts a little after 6.30 a.m. for everybody. What time did you finish? I finished at 11.30-ish around that time. How happy you had to have been to finish. Yeah, for sure. I mentioned at the start that you're the first double above-the-knee amputee to finish Ironman. Do you mind sharing with us how you became a double amputee? Sure, yeah. So when I was born, I had missing tibias in both of my legs, and my feet were twisted in a 360 form. So the doctors gave my mom two options. She can either amputate my legs or I could be in a wheelchair. Wow. She went to family, friends, everybody, and asking them, like, what should she do? At the time, her and my dad were splitting up, so she didn't really go to him for advice. And, yeah, so she was told to just put me in a wheelchair. And she said no. And she didn't know what being an amputee meant. She didn't know what that meant for me. So she opted to actually have my legs amputated, having the unknown of, of what's going to happen and not realizing that it's going to be the best thing she could have did for me, you know? It's interesting you say that because I guess a lot of people might not think that having two legs amputated would be the best thing possible. <laughs> that had to be a super hard decision for your mom. Mm -hmm. And I understand that actually she had to make some significant personal sacrifices to make that happen. And I wish she were here with us today, but she's not. So why don't you give us a hint? <laughs> yeah, she's on a flight back to San Diego. Basically, once I got my prosthetics as a baby, it was just kind of maneuvering and learning how to uh, walk in them. I was maybe two and a half, three years old when I started walking in prosthetics. The older I got, the more prosthetics I needed, the better quality. And it just got too much for my mom. Uh, she was making pretty decent income on her own. She was driving forklifts for the Navy at the time in San Diego. Yeah. So she was doing well, but her child had, he needed two prosthetics. And one prosthetic for anybody is 30 grand, 50 grand, depending on what kind of leg you need. And that's parts. for one. That's one. Yeah. So her child needs two. 
So my mom opted to file for unemployment. She quit her job, job of 21 years, and got full coverage for me to get my prosthetics. And once I got the legs, I kept getting better and better. As tough as she is, we ended up being in a financial situation where we were back and forth between apartments. And uh, we ended up being homeless when I was around eight years old. You know, now that I'm older and I'm at an age where I could see myself having a child, I can't imagine her situation being that she's with her child on the streets and he needs these legs, <laughs> you know? For me, everybody's like, oh, you know, you, you went through so much, but I can't imagine being a parent and going through that alone. It's uh, admirable in her favor, for sure. Well, it is. You know, as a young child, you didn't know from anything. You were just going along with the flow, but your mother, of course, had to make agonizing decisions. And also she, of course, every parent puts themselves into their child. And how do I provide the best for my little boy? Because you were really young when all this happened. Mm -hmm. Now, we're also joined by your friend, Rudy Garcia Tolson. Rudy, aloha. Aloha. Welcome. Now, I've heard Roderick say that you were a bit of an inspiration for him. Tell us how so. I've known Roderick since, you know, when he was eight years old. I think the first time I met Roderick. And really growing up as a kid, as a double amputee, you know, in Southern California in the early 90s, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only kid in the world who was like me. I figured that I'm the only one. There's no way there's going to be someone else who is also a double amputee, who's also a kid. So here we are in San Diego. Like I connected with a foundation that I'm an ambassador for at the moment, the Challenge Athletes Foundation. And we met at a event down in San Diego. And it was one of those things where Roderick and his mom were there and me and my mom came. We looked at each other and was, we just smiled and we're like, what's up? You know, and it was just like a natural, we knew each other like from way back in the day, even though we were still young. It's like we, we was like, you know, we knew each other from this long time. And I think that's how our parents felt as well. Mm -hmm. They instantly connected and have become lifelong friends as well. That was kind of a, an important moment for me because it kind of opened my eyes to the reality that there's a lot more people like myself out there. That was a, a nice feeling knowing that, you know, you're not alone. And you didn't know, the, each of you didn't know there was going to be another child who was a double amputee at this event you went to? I heard about it. Someone from the foundation said that we have this new young double above the knee amputee who wants to try some sports and wants to get involved with the foundation. So that, I got a little heads up. I was excited because uh, I didn't really believe it. For sure. And same for me. I was eight years old. Rudy was 11 going on 12, and he was already well-known as an athlete. You know, really? He was, yeah, he was on his way to the Paralympics. He's been training for what, four years already and, and, and dedicated. So I was coming in fresh, and then I heard about this guy like, wait, this, he's doing what? And he has the same legs as me? We were warned about each other, but still actually meeting each other and seeing each other was the what set it off. Now, I know you were boys, and so it's not always cool to do this, but did you just hug when you saw each other? I mean, I feel like it <laughs> would have been we, momentous. I don't, so. I don't think so. We took I, pictures. I think, I think like. we, we instantly started to challenge each other. Mm. Like, all right, who, who could do this better? And in the beginning, it was always me. <laughs> but uh, now I can't really say the same because, you know, he's done something that I've never done, and that's crossing that corner finish line. Rudy, I've seen videos, and I know you were involved with triathlon from an early age. I grew up with triathlon, mm -hmm. yes. Okay, so here's a technical question. Rudy, I've seen videos of you, and I know that when you ride the bike in a triathlon, you ride a regular bike. Correct. 
And, Roderick, when you did the Ironman triathlon, you used what's called a hand cycle where you're sort of sitting and you're using your hands and arms to provide power. Why do each of you do what you do on the bike? Ever since a young kid, I've always wanted to do everything the same as any other kid. I never like to be different. I always tried to do the same as everybody else. And I don't know why. I think it's just because I want to prove that I can do it. You know, when you have a disability, you tend to be looked at differently. When you consistently get a lot of people always wanting to help you, uh, which is not a bad thing, but when you get people staring at you, when you get people who start to say things that, um, you know, you don't like. Like, what do you mean you play basketball? You can't play basketball. What do you mean go on the grass? You can't go on the grass because you're in a wheelchair. You know, it's things like that that we hear all the time. You know, you can either step up to the plate and overcome that little challenge or you can accept it and fall into the category of what everybody thinks you can and can't do. For me, riding a normal stand-up bike has always been something that I've done from a young age. I used to ride my bike in the trailer park that I lived at. And, you know, all my friends would go out on their bikes and ride around and create new little jumps and just ride around. And I love being outside. So I would ride a bike with training wheels. That's how I first started riding my bike. And, you know, mind you, I'm like 11, 12 years old when I first started riding my bike with training wheels. So it kind of a little bit embarrassing, but I didn't care because I was out. I was with my friends. I was going in and everywhere, exploring and just living. And that's how my biking started. And then continuing on, I took off the training wheels finally <laughs> and was able to ride a bike, you know, normally. And I loved it. And, you know, I did my first sprint triathlon when I was 10 years old. Uh, I think I had training wheels on that one. When I was 11, 12 years old, I continued doing it. And finally, I was able to take those off and complete races the same way everybody else does. Now, thing that makes it challenging is that I'm a double above the knee amputee, which means I don't have the muscles that a traditional cyclist is using without thinking. So my power ratio compared to a able-bodied cyclist is I'm probably getting about 20% of the power that someone with two functional legs is getting. So if you can imagine, when you're on the Queen K Highway, it's not too flat out there. There's a few little uh, hills that <laughs> tend to sneak up on you that tend to be a little longer than what you thought. And so when I'm on the hills on my bike, I'm basically putting it in a very low gear to spin up and get my cadence up high because I can't stand up on the bike to power through the hills. It's a challenge. Here in Kona, I was here 10 years ago. That's what my challenge was. I couldn't make that bike cut off. So I missed it by about 15 minutes. That's pretty heartbreaking. I've seen that happen. Now, Roderick, you use a hand cycle. Mm -hmm. Why? So I use a kneeler hand cycle. Recumbent hand cycle you've seen before. There's gentlemen out there that are in the hand cycle division, men and women, and they're laying back and using their arms to maneuver, and it's only their arms. I have a kneeler hand cycle, so with the kneeler, you're sitting, basically like a full-on seat, and you're engaging from your core all the way up to your arms, everything and pressing into each motion. It's like a press and then a roll each time. For me, <laughs> being a double above the amputee as well, and talking to Rudy about his time on the bike, I was like, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> <laughs> you want to make that cutoff time. Well, not even that. It's like, yo, that just doesn't sound fun, and I have two healthy arms. <laughs> I will do it on a hand cycle. So after hearing him tell me that, I remember we had a speech actually in Florida. It was for the Ironman Foundation, and I remember saying to them, yeah, I would love to do Ironman, but I don't think I would do it unless I do a hand cycle and then go to my blades, which they haven't had anybody in Kona do it that way before. Meaning that for the running part, you actually ran on 
Running blades. Pros- running blades. Prosthetics as well, yeah. You know, it's funny because I talked to Bob Babbitt and he's like, if you did a push for him, you'd be done two hours sooner. You know, you'd be, <laughs> you'd be complete. <laughs> well, you can say that now. Yeah, right. Now that I'm done, it's like, yeah, well, you know, I didn't consider that <laughs> while I'm out there struggling. But I got my first pair of prosthetics when I was 10 and it was from Challenge Athletes Foundation. It's just the way I've known to run. You know, those guys that are in the hand cycle division, they've been either in chairs most of their life or really just know the technique. So they can do the swim on their arms and bike on their arms and then do the push room and be fine. But for me, it's like to be able to go to the blades and do run the way I know how is best for sure. Rudy, you mentioned when you were talking, and Roderick, I'm sure you've had this experience. When people see you, obviously they can see that you don't have legs. How should people approach you if they want to understand what's going on with you, or should they just not approach you at all? Because I know that little kids especially are Mm -hmm. always going to be asking questions like, oh, why does that man have legs that are different from my legs? Mommy, it's a robot. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of parents get very awkward when kids act a certain way, but they're curious. And I'd rather the parents bring the child up and say, do you want to ask? And then I'll talk to them myself. Or if it's an adult and they just want to, they're concerned, just ask. That's all it is. Like, hey, do you mind if I ask you? And ask if it's okay first. Because sometimes there's days where we're just like, guys, we've been training for how many hours? We don't want to tell you our life story right now. But we do anyway, because we know that that's what the goal is, is to get the word out there about CAF and, and people like us and let them know that anything is possible, truly. How about you, Rudy? Do you like it if people approach you? Because particularly, it sounds like you went through a lot in your childhood with people. Well, you said people made fun of you sometimes. Absolutely. Kids can be cruel. Now I'm 31 years old. I've learned to embrace it and to use it as an opportunity to educate. Because that's what it comes down to. You know, when these kids see us on the street and they are pointing and staring and wondering why we have these robot legs. It's an opportunity to make that kid understand and to make that kid realize that we're no different than anybody else. You know, we just look a little different, Mm -hmm. which is the main thing here. It's important that kids understand that people are born differently and that's okay. And it's what makes us who we are. Being different is, is awesome. And I think that's something that we really love to preach to the kids. You know, there definitely was a time when I was younger in my teenage years where I had a really hard time embracing it. I had a really hard time just being myself. It was hard to accept that I was that kid with no legs. You know, I was that kid. You grow up in Southern California, you just don't see it. They're not out there. They're they're all amputees. They're hiding. They're covering up. They're wearing pants. They're, you know, wearing a cosmetic skin over the leg to cover it. We're really changing the perceptions on how people view us. And it's awesome because we have control over Mm -hmm. it. We have the power to explain it to these kids and you know when these kids are a little bit older they're gonna see someone like us they're not gonna flinch they're gonna be like oh yeah yeah that's he's got two prosthetic what's right. a big deal Nothing you know? that's kind of what we're set on doing and a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. You may hear Island Conversations on the radio on Sundays on the Big Island of Hawaii and also as a podcast anytime. So for this and other previous Island Conversations, go to kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com. Next week, my scheduled guest is Hawaii County Mayor Harry Kim. Before we get back to our conversation with Roderick Sewell, the first double above-the-knee amputee 
to complete Ironman Triathlon in Kona and his friend and mentor, Rudy Garcia Tolson. Let's hear a brief word from our sponsor, KTA Superstores. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. Roderick, you also became the first in your family to graduate from college. Mm. Tell us about that. <laughs> My mom, she finished up, actually got her GED later on in the life. She had to get out of school and help with her family. She's the oldest of 12. Wow. Yeah, so she was helping kind of raise everybody. She's been raising kids all her life. Once she got her GED, that was pretty much for her when it comes to education and then my dad I think he graduated high school but didn't pursue college and my mom's side of the family we hadn't had anybody who had gone to a four-year university yet and graduated my mom for sure if she was hard on me about anything it was school that's good yeah hate to say that that's really no it is it was for the best for sure it helped my life it helped better my situation it set a standard for a lot of the up-and-coming family members I have a lot of younger cousins and family who are now they got their undergrad and getting their graduates and i'm like oh no now i'm behind you, know, you better go, get busy right i gotta go back to school i like it i like the push i like the drive that everybody's getting from everybody's own achievements you went to university of northern alabama north alabama roderick sewell what is your next athletic goal uh, so actually, we have Tokyo coming up next year, Paralympics. What are you planning on doing? And do you have to qualify? Tell us more about that. So I've been swimming for 12 years now. I've been on three national teams. And my goal is to do the 100 breaststroke. I have till next summer to train. So yeah, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> when you do the breaststroke, how mm-hmm. long is this race? How long does it take you to do it? My fastest was a minute 30, minute 31. So, so you're going to go from a 17 plus <laughs> hour event to a minute and 30 second event it's not gonna feel like anything now (laughs) it's gonna feel like a sneeze but i think that's what i need i think this is really gonna help me with my training and mentally get me prepared so i took a lot of time off from swimming this year and just focused on triathlon and it paid off for sure you've been a swimming champion you've gotten gold medals you've gotten medals in the paralympics had you done biking and had you really done running before you decided to enter the Ironman Triathlon World Championship? So I haven't done Paralympics yet. I've only gone to World Championships, but I'm working on Paralympics. Okay. I started running a lot and building up my endurance and running kind of came, not naturally, but it's the one I, I gravitated to. It was more freeing. It wasn't necessarily difficult, but the bike, the bike was, uh, <laughs> that was the rough one. I didn't get my official bike until three months before this race. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I had been training on a, a recumbent hand cycle, not a Mueller hand cycle, six months before. So it was a lot of preparation, just kind of building that endurance and then getting my own bike and learning the technique. You know, you both obviously had parents who encouraged or inspired you or you wouldn't be sitting here in front of me today. Rudy, I'll start with you. What did your parents do to inspire you and how do you feel you carry that forward? I am the youngest in my family. I'm the baby out of two brothers and three sisters. So growing up as the young one, you know, who happened to have a lot of medical issues. The first five years I was, you know, in the hospital for more than 15 operations. I think what my parents did for me was they never treated me differently. 
You know, obviously there's certain things where they had to do different things for me, but as far as the general uprising, they try to be as fair as possible across the board with all the kids. It's, I think that's something that has really helped me now as an adult. Not to see things differently than anybody else just because I'm missing my legs. Not to look at myself as a victim, but also not to view myself as somebody who can't do something. You know, one thing that my parents did at a young age was giving me the opportunity to try every and anything I wanted. They never told me no. They never were my limiters. They really pushed me to try everything and to really keep my head on because as a young kid, it's hard to understand why a complete stranger comes up and asks why you have no legs or you know a stranger come up to you and be completely emotionally crying because you changed their life because you know they were having a bad day and because they saw you walking around and just enjoying love and life they've decided to change their path and that's something as a young kid you can't fathom and I think that's something where my parents really kind of limited how much was put in my hands and in my face but also making sure that I was still a kid. Well, obviously, you provided some inspiration for Roderick, and you obviously have been, I will say, encouraging him here at Kona, like pushing him, making sure he did what he needed to do. Absolutely. Is that something you do with others as well? Absolutely. Something that is really cool about what we do is that the medals and records is all fun and dandy, but at the end of the day, it's about making sure that the next generation is going to be ready to go faster, to break the records, to be better, not just as an athlete, but as a person. It's important that we're able to mentor, be role models for the next generation because, you know, we didn't have that. You know, I had nobody as a kid to look at. There was nobody. It just didn't exist. So that's our responsibility. Mm -hmm. Roderick, what did your mom do? I mean, clearly she sacrificed personally a lot to provide you with the physical capability, the prosthetics, but she must have been an inspirational person. Every time I've seen you, whether in videos or interviews and now in front of me, you're just smiling. You <laughs> smile all the time. How did you get inspired and how do you carry that forward? I definitely get that from her. She went through a lot way before I was even in the picture. My mom's a tough woman and she still to this day smiles all the time. At things that I don't even find funny or worth smiling about, she'll still smile. I definitely get that from her and it's, it's taught me to kind of push through the worst and know that this too shall pass. You're going to be fine, whatever it is you're going through. Well, you work also with the Challenged Athletes Foundation. So are there others that you work with to try to help them pursue greatness, even though they may in fact have challenges? For sure. Like Rudy said, and I'll gladly say, Rudy's been a, a trailblazer for a lot of people in the same situation as us, regardless if they're amputees and wheelchair, whatever disability. It's been a huge, huge standard that he's set. People walk up to me and they're like, oh, you're such an inspiration. They don't know the kind of kid I was before I met him. Once meeting him and getting to this point now is like, there's a ton of us that Rudy's inspired. Like we were at the race making fun of, like people call me Rudy all the time. And like, I'm like, we look alike. <laughs> we look a lot alike, apparently. <laughs> so, and to this day, like anybody, anybody call me Rudy. No, it's funny, but it's like, wow, that's amazing that you just don't see anything else but the legs, you know? I just want to interject for anybody who doesn't know. <laughs> Roderick is African-American, and Rudy is Caucasian-looking. But might be hard to tell you apart. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little bit. So he set the stage for a lot of us, and we're doing our part by making sure everybody else is taken care of, whether that's inspiring the next generation or whoever is going by and having a rough day or, or needs that next push. So, Rudy, what's next for you? We already know that Roderick is working to break a swimming record, I trust. By the way, where are those Paralympics that we'll be looking for on TV? We'll have trials in uh, Minnesota next summer. Tokyo will be three weeks after Olympic Games. 
late August into September, right? Yeah. Okay. This will be very cool to actually know somebody <laughs> who's competing there. So, Rudy, what's next for you? Well, I've been to the last four Paralympic Games, and I've had a, an amazing swimming career. I've been able to bring home five Paralympic medals, and uh, I've been able to improve on my performances through the whole four Paralympic Games. I've had an amazing career, and I can't ask for more as, as a swimmer. Coming off of Rio in 2016, I made a decision to try to do something a little different. And so I moved out to New York, and I'm currently working with the New York Roadrunners, which is a running organization that inspires through running. I currently have a small program that gets kids who have physical disabilities active in sport, and it's something that I just really really, really enjoy and love. I also uh, do a little bit of coaching and work at a triathlon studio, Tailwind Endurance. It's been an amazing time in New York, so I decided not to make a go for the next Paralympic Games in Tokyo. I'm not retiring as an athlete, but I'm just taking a little bit of a break and kind of regrouping and getting ready for the next 15 years of my life. But I will, I think, would be making a go at trying to come back here to Hawaii and finish the Ironman that I never could. Oh, uh, you're going to do that, I huh? I have to. It's one finish line that I need to get back to uh, obviously i can't be the first double but uh, <laughs> I, can Darn. I can definitely do it for myself and i think that's something that's going to be in the near future and then you know i'm really looking forward to getting into triathlon for the paralympics so a very very short and quick race it'll be about an hour and 20 minutes total you know compared to you know an ironman where you're out there for 16 so that's something that i'm really looking forward to Here's a question. Rudy, when you walked in here, you did something that I found kind of unusual. Yeah. And Roderick tells me it's usual, but you plugged your leg into the wall outlet. Tell us how prosthetic legs work. I had to plug in my Rios really quick. I have four pairs of legs. And that's one of the cool things about being an amputee is that I can have many different pairs of legs. And I can also be as tall as I want. comes in very handy. I take advantage of it. And it really makes a few people mad, which I love. <laughs> Why are you so tall? Well, because I can be. Like, for me, my walking legs are very similar. I tell kids they're like my walking shoes. So when I wake up in the morning to get out the door, I'm putting my legs on. Very similar. My walking legs, the knees that I use are actually computerized. And what that does for me, it really enables me to last longer on my prosthetics to walk farther with mm -hmm. using less energy so a knee joint on a prosthetic is very similar to a door hinge and it goes in one direction opens and closes and prosthetic knees that's very much what they're doing except mine are computerized so i am getting assistance when i walk assistance on keeping my legs from bending at the wrong moment and also they enable me to maneuver stairs and maneuver hills a lot easier without falling or using triple the energy so the computerized knees give me more energy for the long haul and i usually charge them once every three or four days and they usually last a good three or four days i turn them off at night as well if i need to change any of the settings on there i can just open up my phone and connect to my knees via Bluetooth and open up the OSER application and change how much resistance I'm getting if I'm, say, sitting down or if I'm walking downstairs. Maybe I have a very heavy backpack and that's going to change the way I walk downstairs. So I'm going to need to change the settings to adjust. So very, very customizable, very awesome type of technology that has really enabled us to live life without limitations. Roderick, are your legs more or less similar? Pretty much the same. Yeah, I have an app on my phone as well. Uh, I use Autobock. I don't have Oser. Yeah, I charge my legs every night like I would charge my phone. We try to avoid letting our legs die. It's a 
scary feeling once they're dead. It's very free swing. So like Rudy said, it's like a door hinge. If that door hinge is loose, you're on your own. There's nothing stopping it from any movement forward. So if you're going downhill or downstairs, it can be bad. So, um, yeah, we try to keep them charged as much as we can, keep the juice going. I'm just amazed, you know, like who knew? <laughs> I hate to ask this question, except I'm going to. How much do these kinds of legs cost? Mm, so for the knees we have now, because it's grown so much and they're pretty much electronic these days, one of these knees, I know mine go for 60, 75 grand in that range, and then that's just the knee. So when you put in labor, parts, sockets, feet, it can get to 150 grand for just one. I hate to ask this second question, but how do you guys afford this? <laughs> Thankfully, insurance is changing a lot, but it's still got a long way to go. A lot of people can get better equipment now, but when it comes to running blades or anything like that, insurance considers it a luxury. They don't want you to be active or live a healthy life. They just like take the basics and go on with your day. You know, that's one of the awesome things that we're able to bring to attention is we're blessed to have these prosthetics. We are blessed to have these computerized legs mm -hmm. that are really the top of the line. Just recently, I've been able to have an experience that really has changed my attitude towards all this. You know, recently I went over to the Philippines with Limkind Foundation, and our mission was to go and provide prosthetics for kids who have never had them free of charge. And we were able to go and make a total of 19 prosthetics for 13 different kids and get them standing for the first time in their lives. This is something that I think we take for granted in the United mm -hmm. States. We don't realize how good we have it. Even the lowest quality insurance type of legs, it's incredible what, what, what opportunities we can have out here. Yeah. And you know, I was able to go to the Philippines and meet these kids who have been walking on their stumps their whole lives. And they have a pair of Crocs that are essentially their prosthetics and that's all they've had. And these kids are just so happy and smiling. And then to be able to hand them a pair of legs, to take them to the store to buy their very first pair of shoes was just an incredible experience. And it really made me feel extra, extra grateful that I'm able to get these amazing prosthetics. But you know, at the end of the day, we wanna talk about the cost of prosthetics and we wanna talk about access. Some people are not able to get them, even here in the United States, you know? And that's something that is very important because you can't just give a kid one pair of leg and tell him to go. You know, he's gonna have to come back every so often every year or so to get a new one because the kid is growing. He's getting bigger. He needs new prosthetics. And that's something that is incredible that we are able to talk about, raise awareness about, and especially being involved with the Challenge Athletes Foundation. You know, their mission is to provide the equipment needed to get out to the starting line. That's something that we're able to do, and it's, it's incredible. Very good. Rudy Garcia Tolson, thank you so much for joining us. Aloha. Aloha. Roderick Sewell, what would you like to say in closing? In closing, Rudy and I have done our best to show that anything truly is possible. I hope that this race is proof for a lot of people. It's proof to myself. It's proof to my family. My family in you know California, Colorado, Alabama, Florida, New York, and there has been mad support just to get me to the finish line in such a short amount of time. Still, to me, it doesn't feel real, but the fact that this is done and it's happened and history has been made, it reminds me that, yeah, whatever you put your mind to, whatever you truly set your mind to, and people call it a cliche, but I don't think people really understand the power that comes from that. If you really set your mind to it, regardless, whatever limit it is, is going to get passed. Those are great words of closing. Thank <laughs> you so much, Roderick Sewell. Thank Aloha. You. Aloha. And with that, we're going to say aloha for today. 
This is Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. Today we talked with Roderick Sewell, the first above-the-knee double amputee to complete Ironman triathlon, and a friend and mentor of his, Rudy Garcia Tolson, who did compete in Ironman but did not complete the second leg in time. He missed the cutoff by just minutes, so he does plan to come back. Thank you so much for being with us. I'll see you next time for another Island Conversations. And until then, please, let's all be inspired by these two amazing gentlemen, and let's live and drive with aloha. Ahoi ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.